everyone. Welcome to my podcast, Life Beyond Religious Trauma. Faith and religion can be a consoling, supportive experience for lots of people. But for me, it was pure hell. From the time I was around four years old till later in my teens, I was sexually abused by Catholic priests and others in the Worcester Diocese and surrounding Diocese of Massachusetts. I was used in a child sex porn ring that produced videos here and abroad. Please join me as I share my healing journey from religious trauma through reimagining my faith as well as inspiring insight from interfaith into spiritual experiences. Listen to the wisdom provided by other survivors, therapists, and spiritual guides and others in thoughtful and provocative conversations. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. And please share it with others who you may feel might benefit from it. Welcome to episode three, Taming the Angry Bee Lady. Um, the three of us are here again. And um, we'd like to start by sharing a story about, what was it? Father Carl, about a year ago? that we were attacked by the bees in the bee house? Yes, we were overwhelmed by our bees and had to go to the emergency room, both of us. We were on IV and <laughs> we both got EpiPens as a gift. Yes. And then the next day, I was working for one of my friends and at the last minute, you called and canceled because we wanted to make sure the queen took from this hive that I was very scared to go into and said that you had to um, do confession. So I, as stubborn as I am, decided to go in the hive myself. But I got all suited up, got everything, but I couldn't find the toolbox. So due to the fact you were in confessions, it was completely empty. I went in in tears. And what happened with you? Your virgin, you were shocked. I was shocked, but here comes this person in a bee suit walking into the confessional who's kind of pissed off at me <laughs> trying to, and, trying to, and trying to get my attention, obviously. So I was a little bit shocked, let's put it that way. I don't know what the people outside felt, but... Didn't someone name me the angry bee? No, I, I named you the angry bee but yes, I, I find with dealing with spiritual trauma and this length of abuse, I wear my emotions on my face and I try to hide it. I try to do things and it gets me into so much trouble. Like the day my son started in a big school, it was advertised in the paper that it was a biggest school in the United States. I was scared to death to bring him. I notified the school three months beforehand, sent them three emails about, I was nervous about him being a walker. And all of a sudden, the compromise was I do car riding and they lost him the first day. And the police actually had to bring him home. And I became an angry relay. Another incidence was the time just recently that I helped at an event. I tried to set very clear boundaries and I was blamed for my PSD in this stressful situation. And I became very 
How do you deal with that anger and rage and spiritual trauma and that thing? Russ, what do you well, think? First of all, you have to remember one thing. Anger is a protector. And it arises when there's a hurt or a wound of some kind and so forth. So you have to understand it's not the enemy. Anger is not the enemy. But like all protectors, as Richard Schwartz would say, they can be murderous. So you have to, so it's not that anger is bad or having protectors is bad, it's that they have to be managed. And one, and one important issue is to know that you have that uh, tendency or that, that tendency is the wrong word, that capability. Because unless you own the fact that you have the capability, you won't be able to manage it. Okay. I'm putting it on podcasts. Is <laughs> I don't Maybe. know. I I just honestly I try because the when I did the research for Nate Brown's it's clear boundaries, I should get a spinner like Nate Brown and spin it three times before I even make a commitment. There you go. <laughs> or or before you get angry, spin it three times. <laughs> Right? Well, it's bad because what you see is what I get. Because even when I'm trying not to be angry and I see it, I take the breathing, I do all the steps, people can read my face. Sure. And that makes sense. In other words, your body also expresses your mood, right? It's probably why Cain used me for the, the ring that he put me in. It's probably why I was a prime candidate. I sometimes feel like, was I like that from the get-go? Like was, because I remember reading about another survivor that there's certain categories that you had to fit in this thing. And I'm like, mm. I pray all the time. Why did I fit into all those categories? Yeah, but be careful because that walks right on the line of you blaming yourself for what happened to you. Don't do it. Right. In oh. other words, in other words, I think these guys were just looking for anybody. Well, when your child, after you clearly state things to a school, and your child comes, gets, goes, brought back to the school because they've made him a walker mm -hmm. with a police car, you sometimes wonder, what do I do wrong? I get it. I get it. I get that. I get that the recurrence of events that make no sense to you make you wonder, why me? Why is this happening to me? I get that. Sure. I mean, I'm a single mom. I try to do the best I can. I try to do everything above board. And I still get myself into major trouble. Sometimes I wonder, like, why am I in so much in a big, deep, dark hole when I try to dig myself out of it constantly? I try not to. I monitor everything. I make sure I don't do any addicted behaviors even though i used to be addicted to food i try to monitor everything don't scapegoat don't do this to make everything for my kids and i'm still getting labeled as angry vicious be lady and my psd is to blame for everything it's like give me a break mm -hmm. what do i do yeah and part of that is that people have difficulty giving people with a with ptsd a break because they don't understand it. They can't relate to it. They can't relate to the triggering and so on and so forth that's characteristic of PTSD. That's one part. Second part is you have some difficult circumstances in your life. And I certainly can understand how they would trigger you. And that's not me blaming you in any kind of way. You know, I also know 
I, I, I corroborate what you just said. You work really hard to keep the peace and, uh, and yeah, keep the peace in all the situations you're in. But sometimes the people you're dealing with are not working as hard as you, you know? And so it's an unfair situation. So be careful again about blaming yourself. Your responsibility is man, from my point of view, your responsibility is managing the, the anger protector when it arises. One of the ways, um, as Russ mentioned, one of the ways, Jess, that um, you and I have talked a lot and prayed together a lot is uh, when the, when the ang when the protector comes up, and uh, what do you do with it? Because sometimes you've told me that you feel very much alone. You right. you say it often that no one understands. Yes. You tell me often I don't understand and you feel very alone in this so one of the things i try to do you know in in the spiritual journey you're you're walking here is to first of all let you know that you're not alone and of course russ is here to to say that and you have friends in your life you have your mom you have people in your lives that help you understand that you're not alone and i and i'm one of those and uh, i'm very happy to be so and so the chance you have to kind of vent with me, for example, or we can talk it over and you're not just alone with all of these feelings and no way to express them with anybody. You can do it with me in a safe way. Uh, so. Well, I'm very thankful for the support system. It's without a doubt, I think I have three or four very close friends. Um, very tight-knit family but there's obstacles in my family we all know this right. um but the biggest thing is like how do we make an impact because anger gets so involved even in being in the boston area or that i mean it's very frustrating to change it from the inside one step at a time i mean even communicating with the bishop all this I mean I know in my heart that there was over a hundred boys that I witnessed be abused tricked into like some kind of conversion therapy or whatever and the bishop takes no responsibility in my district I'm even afraid to go to church in my life. that's how scary it is I mean my parents went to a church they donated quite heavily to that church and two weeks later after the check plan i was kicked out it, it, it's like wow what do i do i mean how do you deal in those kind of circumstances without getting angry yourself and causing a ruckus how do you change it from the inside out but do you see what you're talking about is changing people on the other side of the equation you can't do that. In other words, in a real way, the bishop is who the bishop is. And I've talked about this. I've had some interaction with that bishop myself, working with people that one of his men abused. And he, he simply protected his men. So that's who he is. So it, again, it comes back to, if this is what you've got to work with, the only thing you can do is manage your, your reaction 
to that. But in fairness, you look at he's doing a lot for the homeless. He's doing a lot of good too. Good. So why can't he look at, okay, fine, I'm doing good things here, but let's re-look at how to do, how to deal with this crisis. I mean, Boston has made incredible, not to say they're not perfect, incredible strides in helping survivors. But honestly, Kane, the biggest culprit, came from Worcester. There was a bishop there. Bishop Harrison really worked with Kane to cause this harm to so many children. Yes, and Kane was a master at manipulating and uh, so you, you, you're dealing with that issue too. Um, and I don't think that, uh, I don't think the bishop at the time was prepared to confront Cain uh, because uh, and some people would speculate that Cain had something on the bishop. I have no idea what that might be or whether that's true or not, but Cain was very much a manipulator. Was it Harrison at the time? Because if so, they were working together in this conversion therapy because I remember envelopes being put together, money, like these white envelopes were passed all the time. There was talking, convincing, like I shared with you, these poor boys were convinced that they were hurting people and they were hurting them. It's just, to me, nothing makes sense and I just want to make a difference here. I, I know. And again, I'm simply, you and I talk this way a lot. Because I, I really, I mean, I was astonished when I first started working with you that while you were being abused, you had compassion for the boys that were being trained to abuse you. For me, that's mind-boggling. That's the depth of your passion for justice and, your, and the depth of your passion for uh, truth. I don't think you're going to find that same level of depth in the people that you're wanting to confront. Well, I like what they say in the Seeking, the book that we're reading. We have the book club in January about that you have to go through the rage and take time to go through the rage. But I want to skip over that part. Yeah, I don't blame you. You know, one of the ways you do that, though, Jess, you, you already do that number of ways, of course, and you mentioned some things already, you and Ross, one of the things you do that is in your prayer. Your prayer is very impassioned. Mm -hmm. It's impassioned. That passion, in some ways, is coming from that angry part that is looking for justice, that is looking for consolation, that is looking for someone, please hear me, somebody. Understanding, acceptance, all that. Exactly. Yeah. And you pour all of that in the way you pray sometimes. And you know, you and I have a ritual at night for prayer, and uh, also with your son James. Uh, and you, and that prayer is very impassioned. You know that it, sometimes that prayer is is angry, it's questioning, but it's looking for hope. It's not quite sure. And other times, it's thankful and grateful. But what you do with that, how you go through it, I think is one of the ways you do that is, is your prayer life. That's one of the ways, I think what you're saying, Father Carl, 
is her prayer life is one of the ways of emptying the pool of anger. And I think that's true. You know, and I think also having safe places where you can talk about the depth of the anger, uh, our relationship, your relationship with Father Carl, and whomever else you can talk, talk with about the depth of your feeling is another place. Because, because, you, because as we talked about earlier, you don't want to feel alone. You don't want to feel like nobody understands this or nobody can, can appreciate the depth of your hurt and anger. And when you do feel that people can appreciate the depth of your hurt and anger, that too helps to empty that pool. I think sometimes I got a gift with my abuse or a curse. I know that um, when I was being abused, I did go into prayer, but I always saw good things, I never saw bad things. So when I wanted to deal with all this anger, pain, scapegoating, um, blame shifting, all this, I just want to run away from just say, okay, fine, this is my responsibility. I want to go away. These the, the things you named, are those things happening in you? Or are they those things that people were doing when they were abusing you? I can't understand. It's how, when it happens now in, in a, like any kind of situation I'm in, oh, oh, scapegoating, blame, whatever, I like to just take responsibility and just walk away. But sometimes when I take responsibility, I over-defend. And then these people who are scapegoaters will kind of make it worse. Well, yes. And also, if you if you take responsibility for something that they're the cause of, you're taking them off the hook. You understand that? But aren't you supposed to take responsibility? No. For something that's not yours? No. Never. Well, I mean, it takes two to tango. But uh, it depends on who you're tangoing with. If you're tangoing with somebody you can't trust, don't tango. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Hopefully, but even with the whole thing with the sexual abuse crisis, you look at it, there's too much anger in it and rage. Part of that, too, I find in, my, in our conversations is sometimes um, you can blame yourself. You can blame yourself. I'm bad. Uh, I'm a sinful. But you can only fix yourself. That's true. But sometimes a lot of that is being frustrated with myself. Frustrated with yourself. I have the same experience, to be quite honest. You know, I can be very frustrated with myself in a situation. I didn't handle it right. I didn't do it right. Whatever I said, what did I really screw this up? And um, so sometimes, sometimes this kind of kind of stepping on my own image, saying saying that I'm at fault. I'm and I'm bad because of it. I judge myself. So I think in our conversations, if you remember, um, we talked a lot about your relationship with God and how the compassionate, loving God 
sometimes even the forgiveness of God can be hard to swallow. It's like, I, I don't deserve it. You know what I mean? So we've taught, had a lot of conversations about that, if you remember, about no matter what we do, no matter what goes through, that, that we are redeemable, that there is an original blessing that's part of all of us that, that is meant to be is meant to be shared and to grow within ourselves. And uh, so a lot of, the, you know, when we think about, uh, when you think about, you know, going through these spells and these anger things, then there can also be a tendency to kind of blame myself and say, okay, I'm, I'm a fault and I'm bad because I'm bad. Right. You, know, you, you know, you get stuck between, is it bad or is it good? There's nothing in between. So this is, and, and, and if an anger usually doesn't, doesn't come across as it's a good thing. <laughs> it usually comes across as the opposite. So anyways, I think in the light of all, no matter what we're feeling, I think it, the, the fact that we're all redeemable, that, that we all have this resiliency and courage to go through our anger and to learn from it, to be stronger because of it. That's what, um, a lot what I've been reading about lately. So. Hopefully this will be a new transformation. But my second thing is that art helps. And I think displaying the art this weekend at the event at the Shrine and other events, and hopefully we can put it on social media. But um, I think it's good. I think the next time we have a podcast, I think we're going to talk about another survivor who I've been friends with for about um, over my whole healing process. I think when I did get kicked out of that church that I was in, that I just talked about that um, I started a survivor's group and he does a play, um, A Journey of Faith conversations with my molester we'll be talking with him and how that doing this play has impacted him as a survivor through spiritual trauma thank you so much for um, listening to this podcast and um, check us out on facebook at beyond beyond religious trauma or on spotify Life Beyond Religious Trauma. And then what's the email? Life. Life Beyond Religious Trauma at gmail.com. All right. Thank you. Bye.